0: In our lives yesterday, Father God, in our lives this whole week. Father, we shall this morning into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, Let's go to Joshua chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 15, is what we're going to linger a little bit. And I probably will break this into at least two sections. If we don't finish enough in time, we'll do it, um, you know, uh, next week as well, Joshua chapter 10. This chapter has been ministering to me, uh, in a, such a special way. There's so much content, uh, so much of messaging, um, is, is already built into this. And this, this is also talking about, uh, it, it, you know, how you and I run into problems. You and I run into situations that, uh, is beyond our control and how God is still under control. And uh, we meditated a little bit on Friday night. And for those that were there on Friday night, you know, you'd know um, God was just like, you know, blowing through that phone line on Friday night in in such uh, um, strength and tenacity. And I just pray that the same thing will, uh, we'll, we'll go through this in this next two weeks as we meditate on this place. And uh, um, one of the things uh, um, that we've been doing all along is to meditate on on prayer. So this is also there, there is a, a line of prayer that's going to come in the middle of it, and then we will also see um, the, the God's faithfulness in all of this, right? Now it came to pass when uh, Adonai king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua has taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done it to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king And how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. That they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than Ai. Ai. And... All its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hohem, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmut, Zaphia, king of Lachish, and Deber, king of Egalon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may take or we may attack Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, king of Lahish and king of Agalom gathered together and went up. They they and all their armies were camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up. To us quickly, save us and help us, for all the kings of Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua, therefore, came up, them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with the great slaughter at Gideon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon and struck them down as far as Asgah and Maqadah. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horan that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from hailstorm than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered them up the Amorites before the children of Israel, he said in the sight of Israel, sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon, in the valley of Aijelon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about whole day. And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp of Gilgal. Praise the Lord. I'm going to title this message as the sun stands still. Right. It is, it is a, a very powerful, powerful imagery that God is leaving with you and me um, this morning as we just like to listen to what God is doing here. Now, what is the background behind all these things? We need to know a little bit of background. And as I was reading through these different names of these cities and the kings, uh, it, it was hard enough to just like uh, call out their name or pronounce their name. But there is a very significant you know, importance to all of these things. And nothing in the word that is written is written, uh, without a meaning or a reasoning behind it. No words in the word of God has ever written that, that is like a, you know, a, a filler word in the word of God. Now, so, first, it's, the whole thing starts with the king of Jerusalem, Adoni Zarek, right? He is calling on the people to come and destroy the children of Israel. So they may wonder, why is the king of Jerusalem is making a war against Israel, right? Notice for sure, Jerusalem at this point in time is occupied by Canaanites. Joshua hasn't finished battling and winning those different cities in the promised land. They've just finished some war against Jericho. They have finished the war against Ai, and what they have done to them is just like significant. And the word is going everywhere into the promised land and Canaanite land. And the, the, the city of Jerusalem was actually um, was was still under the control of canaanites Till the the period of judges is over and even after the first king of saul it wasn't under the control of israel up until david came to become a king david then went after the city of jerusalem he captured it and that's why Jerusalem is called the city of David. And so this king of Jerusalem is now seeing what Joshua has done to the other two places that they went and war. They just destroyed the, the, the army of Jericho and the army of Ai. And, and also... They've destroyed the king. They've just like taken over with a loud voice. Here's the thing. God is just telling you and me that when he goes in the front of the battlefield, if he's in this battle with us, if he's taking on an assignment on our behalf, right? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64, verses 4, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard a God besides you from ancient days who asks for those who wait on him. So when they wait on this God, then the God of this, this universe, the, 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 this creation adores this king and the king of kings that is sitting on the throne that when he steps into the battlefield, there is no stronghold that can handle the power and the magnificence of God right and the king of Jerusalem, Adoniizedek, knows about this, and so what he 's doing is that he's calling on the other kings that were nearby and He's calling on them, the Amorites and the the people from the, uh, the other nations nearby, so they can actually go after, right? Not Israel. They were not going after Israel. They were going after a city called Gibeon, okay? Why? Why is the king of Jerusalem, with all the people around him, is going after Gibeon? right? We need to have a little bit of a background on this city called Gibeon. Okay. So far, Joshua has finished capturing only Jericho and I at this point. When the the people from Gibeon saw that, right? The people from Gibeon are actually, uh, even here it says that uh, Gibeon was a great city, in, in verse 2. They were one of the royal cities. Because, um, you know, they, they even say the men that are in Gibeon are mighty warriors, right? These are people who was controlling a large piece of land, and they were considered really powerful in that region, Right? makes an alliance with Joshua and the children of Israel they, they they did something we will come back to that one but gibeon by itself is is just a, a royal city right now they're not going these kings these five kings were not going against the children of Israel they know their god will fight on their behalf, right? But they're going after Gibeon, because they know if they can take over Gibeon, then they can make a statement against the children of Israel. That's what they want to do. They want to go capture this city called Gibeon, right? why is this important, Sir? Why are you taking this much of time to talk about these various cities that the, uh, is needed? I'm here to encourage you this morning. Sometimes, not sometimes, all the time. The enemy knows if he's going to come after you. They know the the the, the all the spirits of the darkness knows the rulers of this earth knows that the moment they touch you, then they're touching the apple of his eyes. That, that when they come after you, then you are not the one who's going to actually get like a fret, fretted over and fighting over. We've already seen the battle belongs to the Lord. And the enemy knows if we just like to take one step backwards, then our God is going to be in the front and taking you down is going to be difficult, right? But if I can go after the one that you love who doesn't have the same kind of the belief system as you are, if, if if that enemy thinks that I can go after their children who is not as strong as they are, I can go after their husbands or wife. If I can go after their mom or dad, if I can go after someone who doesn't have that same kind of a protection, then I can actually shake the children of Israel. I can shake the godly men and godly women. If something happens to our loved ones, we are broken, we are, we are shaken. We, we start to doubt our God. We start to doubt what God can do to us because we somehow equate what happens to our children or children's children as if that is happening to us. Yesterday, this guy um you know James Armstrong from uh, St Gabriel Church uh, Catholic Church in Charlotte he was doing a game and uh, he 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 was doing this Simon says right and when he said like a Simon says touch your nose the kids were touching their nose the so Simon says touch your feet the the children were touching their feet okay? Simon says dance or Simon says, move around. Simon says, rotate yourself. They were doing it. All of a sudden, he would take that word, Simon says, and he would say, go ahead, walk in the front. And they will all be walking in the front without the Simon says, right? And sometimes in our prayer life, that's what we're doing. When we are in the presence of God, and when we see Sometimes the enemy takes over and just like it starts to dance over our children, our children's children, or he does something to our loved ones, we forget the promises of God. We forget what God did on the rugged cross. We forget the salvation that we receive. We forget the redemptive power and the blood of Jesus Christ, and we forget all that. And we just like to lose ourselves. And that's what the enemy wants to do. And that's what the enemy here was trying to do to the city of Gibeon. They were going after something that the children of Israel made alliance with. Now, we'll come to the main part of this message, but we need to understand all these small little details of this before we can get to the actual prayer. Where is this guy Joshua right now, right? Joshua is in Gilgal. Joshua is in a place where that's his comfort zone, right? Why is that important? Why? The, the, the Bible is very clear. Joshua is in Gilgal. Gilgal has a lot of significance in this journey for the children of Israel. When Joshua comes to cross the Jordan River, right, in Joshua chapter 4, right, and he was about to cross the Jordan River and go to the other side of the Jordan River where the promised land is, the water was coming so ferociously And the Bible says that the water actually did not stop until Joshua put his feet in that water and the water stopped. And Joshua knows that is a special moment that he wants to remember for a long period of time. And so he creates a memory stone in that water to just remember what God has done to them. He places 12 stones taken from the river, representing the 12 tribes that crossed through the Jordan River. And it should serve as a reminder to the children of Israel. So where is Joshua? He's in Gilgal looking at that memory stone pretty much every time. That he is about to go into a battlefield before he goes into something. He is actually looking at what God has done for them. Today morning, I really think we all should create those memory stones. And those memory stones have to be there for us to look at every day before we start our day. There's got to be a memory stone. There's got to be a memory. There's got to be a miracle that God has done to each and every one of you and me. We have to be in Gilgal every single day. We have to look at that memory stone every single day. We have to source our strength from that memory stone. And that's what Joshua was doing. Joshua was staying where he he is constantly reminding and telling his soul what his Savior has done in front of people. Not only that, Gilgal has a couple of other things that are going on as well. Gilgal is a place when they crossed was the first time they celebrate their... Um, that Passover, and the children of Israel were circumcised. Consecration and change happened in that place, and he wants to linger in that place. The Promised Land is definitely a place that they were going, but there were 40 years of wandering in the desert None of them were concentrating themselves and circumcising themselves. This was a time for the first time they were obedient to God's word and they just like circumcised themselves in this place called Gilgal where their old things have washed away. No longer they were carrying that slavery any further into the promised land. The children of Israel when they left the Egypt, when, when they were there in Egypt for 400 years, and then when they left the Egypt, and as well as the, in those 40 years, there were new children that were born in the desert, but when they were about to go into that promised land, he stops at Gilgal, celebrates the Passover, and circumcises the people. Why is that important, there? Today morning, God is just saying, not only that we need to be in a place where the memory stones were placed, but we also need to remember the time that God intervened to change our heart. We need to remember our salvation. We need to remember the day. David says, God, I just want the same joy that I had when I gave my life. I, I just want to linger in the joy of salvation, right? We need to go and, and pause our life to just like to think about the day that we gave our life to Christ. We need to remember the Gilgal, where our life changed, the moment the life changed. We need to remember, if, if you have a chance To go back to that day when you gave your life to Christ, you know how much joy that was restored in that day. Over the years, enemy tries to steal that joy out of you and me. And God is saying, no, come back to Gilgal because you have to be strengthened and the joy has to be restored and the joy will be restored when we think of the fact that that particular day, that particular moment, that particular message that you and I heard is to open the doors to eternity, that we will never be the same. And our, our names are written in the book of remembrance. Our name is written in a place where we can actually be assured of the future. This place that we're living in. It's just a pass by. We're not going to, we didn't bring anything into this earth and we're not going to take anything from this earth. But what we do in this earth is actually a, 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 a treasure that we are storing up for the future. And the treasure that we are storing up, the number one treasure that we are storing up for the future is our lives given up to Christ. And that's where Joshua was. The place where the consecration happened. Number three. For 40 years, God was feeding the children of Israel. But the moment they stepped their foot into this place called Gilgal, the food that they were receiving from the skies, the manna, stopped. And the the, the children of Israel is now given strength to produce food on their own. All along they saw the land that they were passing by those 40 years wasn't the land that they can actually cultivate and get some food out of it. The desert that they were in is not handling The the seeding, it wasn't a place of permanence. It was something that they were transitioning through. But now God has brought them to the place of permanence where they can actually sow seed into their ground and get something out of it. Why is that important? God wants us to mature in this life the maturity part is so critical. Why? Because we have been drinking the milk. We have been drinking like a child. But God matures us to a place where we can actually start to eat semi-solid food. Then God matures us to start to eat the the meat and the potatoes. And The the thing is that God matures us to the next level in this journey, and we cannot go back to drinking the milk. We cannot be going back and complaining and grumbling. We cannot go back to the desert. After we have come to Gilgal, we cannot go back and rewind ourselves and expect manna to be given. God says, you've already matured yourself. You've already seen the miracle happen in your life. You've already seen those things that I've done to you and your children and your family. Just don't go back and expect me to feed your manna and the coil quail, quail from the skies. I want you to use your faith from here to feed Yourself. I want you to go and dig through the the the, the uh, animosities and the the pride and uh, all of those unforgiveness and all these things. Dig through them. You don't really need them. So start to plant yourself the seeds of love and patience and audacity in your faith in the promised land that I've already placed you. That's where Joshua was when he got the message from the Gibeonites. This morning, God is just reminding us of these three things. Number one, God is reminding us to create a memory stone. God is just telling us to remember the place of consecration. And God is also telling you and me that we have matured to a place called Gilgal, don't go back to the desert. Don't go back and expect me to feed you because you're already fed and you know how the fruit of the Spirit tastes right now. Now, going back to this passage in Joshua chapter 10, right, God... God, um, there, there is a reason why this passage is so critical, not only for us, but this passage is very critical for Joshua. The children of Gibeon, actually, if you go back the previous chapters, you will see that Gibeonites actually uh, tricked her before Joshua as if they came from a long distance and they just like made a treaty with Joshua, right? That they will make an alliance with the children of Israel. Even though Gibeonites were so powerful in their warrior skills, they just tricked themselves because they know they cannot stand before the God of Israel, right? And so after, Joshua made the treaty with them he actually finds out that it was a mistake that he made in a treaty with the gibeon why because they're neighboring nation that that the children of Israel is supposed to capture gibeon as one of those 31 nations that they need to capture in this promised land that they need to send them out of that place, now they just made a mistake. Joshua knows it's a mistake at that point, right? Not only that it was a mistake to, that that mistake that he made is a costly mistake. Let me tell you why. Because they made a treaty with the, the king of Gibeon, now he is faced with a challenge that he could have taken it light and gone there one day. But God, but God is bigger than Joshua's mistake and God is bigger than your mistake and my mistake. The thing is this, is it true Joshua made a mistake? Absolutely should Joshua consulted God before making a mistake? Absolutely. If they have consulted God and taken God into account before making the decision, then they may not have walked through that uh, path of 20 miles in night to go to Gibeon to fight. But Here is the number one assurance that we have. God is bigger than your mistakes and my mistakes. There are times that we are not on the right side of the wrong. There are times that we have been in the wrong side. We know that. We know that we have made a mistake. And what we are going through is 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 an after effect of the mistake that we make. But here's the thing. And Mr. Laurie touched on this a little bit this morning as well. There was a man, there was a father yesterday in that prison. There were four men out of all the men that had seen their children come. Four of them did not have their children come. But the day before, when the president asked them, what do we do with these four guys? Because we knew the day before that these four guys are not going to get their children. And so I asked the management if, if they are okay, the management is okay, that these men, these four men can be in that room, they can be serving. I'm thinking, we already have 60 people, four more is not going to hurt. So let these guys be there. They will just get a chance. Let them come and do something uh, in that room. That's what was going in my mind. But one of those four in the morning when I saw him, when we saw him, came crying. In the prison, it is not very very acceptable or very uh, uh, much... uh, a culture in prison for men to cry, especially in the men's prison. Women's prison is a different deal They're emotionally, you know, they can pour out their heart. But in the men's prison, they want to show themselves strong, uh, especially in prisons where the, the gang systems and everything is there. They want to have the facade of, like, I'm a strong guy. I'm a macho guy, right? Like, and here is a guy who's just crying. He made a mistake. He wasn't crying for himself at that point in time. He made a mistake on his serving time, but he was crying for his son at that point in time. Why? Because two days before this event, his son, his 16-year-old son was taken into jail. His son was, was so looking forward to seeing his dad after years of not coming over. I do not know what the situation is, but he wasn't there. And he was supposed to come. And two days before, he just like made some bomb threat in the school or something like that. And that he sent into detention center and he was crying. Right. It wasn't for him. Now, here's the thing. Right at that moment, I turned around and I looked at this Pastor David from Venture Church. He's standing there, right? And I called him and a couple of guys around to just let her pray over. The thought there was, uh, I, I want to have some tall men around with this guy so nobody sees that this guy is crying. And as these pastors around were praying for him, they come to find out that the boy that is going, that is spending time, that was spending time, and that is spending time today in that detention center is three miles away from Venture Church where this Pastor David is serving for his church. Venture Church is Pastor David's church. And he said, when I met with him about like two or three months ago, one thing that was really lingering in Pastor David's heart was to go to that detention center. He was burning his heart because that detention center is between his house and his church. And every time he saw that detention center, his heart was just like a burning and fueling because he knows that there are kids in that detention center that don't have Christ, that don't have any a way to work with them. And, and here he is, just like a burning inside for years and years, and now God brings this man yesterday in front of that pastor. It is an answer for prayer for two people In that conversation, it was an answer for this father who has his son in that detention center. It is an answer for this pastor who is eagerly ready to go into that detention center in a moment's notice. He wants to go in and he wants to serve in that detention center. What am I saying? God can use your mistake and my mistake for his glory. Why? Because he's bigger than our mistakes. Yes, you know, uh, the, the things could have been done differently by Joshua, right? But now Joshua, because of his mistake, he's not just facing one king. He's facing five kings in one battle, right? And that uh, he could have, he would have taken one battle at a time. He would have had like a five of them taken in just like a sequence. But now all these five kings are coming together. They've gathered together and trying to oppose the, 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 the Gibeonites. Right? And this is what the enemy loves to do to you and me when we mess up. He comes and says, "Uh oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you read the Word of God. I thought you have your God on your side. You mess up the other day. I was just like a reading um about another incident where King David um was trying to um you know act like a mad guy to escape from the king, and so When they bring him over to the king, because they know this is David, and that David is just like a drooling and drawing on the doors and doing all kinds of things to just like make him look like that he's an insane person, right? And the king asks his soldiers, what are you guys doing? You're bringing a madman in front of me? Do I not have enough madmen in my city? I have enough insane people in my... It's like the king was just like uh, getting angry with the soldiers. Why? I have enough people that are insane in my own courtyard and you're bringing one more guy, right? The same thing, like uh, here, that when Joshua makes a mistake or when we make a mistake, God is not going to turn around and say, ah, one more sinner. Hmm, as if I don't have enough sinners on my courtyard, you know? God's not going to say that. God's going to look at what happened, and he's going to make a way to fix what is broken. The voice that we hear that puts a guilt and condemnation in our minds and our heart is not the voice of God. The mistake that we make is... Is, is not something that God is going to bloat over and say, ah, I told you. I told you not to touch the fire. I told you not to touch the thing. I told you. God's not going to say that. God's going to look for ways to get you and me out of that situation. His voice is going to be very clear when we are in the place of consecration, when we are in that place. That's why it is so important that Joshua was spending in in Gilgal because he wants to get right his life with God. He knows he made a mistake, and that's where he was. And God speaks to him in verse 8. He says, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands not a man of them shall stand before you. God is saying, I know you made a mistake. I know there are more than five kings coming after you. I do not fear. For I'm going to give all of them into your hands. I do not know who you are in this line. That is fearing about tomorrow. That is fearing about the next week or the next month, or you're fearing about your health situation, you're fearing about your children. You're you're fearing about your children's children. God is saying to you, do not fear, for I have given that situation. The, The situation that has brought the fear in you has no chance. To stand before me, says the Lord. That's what he's telling Joshua. Do not fear. I know the mistake has caused your problem multiplied by five right now. Right? But God is going to not keep account of our mistakes. He's going to keep account of his grace and mercy. He is bigger than our mistakes. Number two. God is in the battle with you and me today. Verse 10 and 11 says, The Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a the great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the roads that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Mecca. The thing is this, God gave enough strength to Joshua to go after the nations that surrounded, that are from the mountains, that are powerful. God was just like a, making the hands of Joshua stronger to fight this battle. So when you and I are in the battlefield, when you and I know that the battle that we are in is something that we caused, when God steps into your battle, when we cry out to God and God steps into our battle and he swings the bat on your behalf and my behalf, he's not going to swing on his arm. He's going to strengthen our hands to swing. Today morning, that's my prayer for you and me. That God will strengthen our hands as we fight through this battle. God will strengthen our mind. God will strengthen our heart. God will strengthen our soul as we fight through this battle. Not only that, the fact that God is in the battle with you and me is also gives access to the supernatural. In verse eleven it says, "There was a hailstorm, large hailstones from heaven that was just like a was just like a killing people, and uh, it just killed more people than the, the the children of Israel did. God was not only behind the children of Israel by strengthening." their hands, but he was also doing a supernatural miracle at this point. People may say, hmm, hailstones are not new. Hailstones are very common. Hailstones killing people? Not a big deal. Why is this a miracle? Why do you think that God sent this hailstones at this point? Here's the thing. The hailstones is not a miracle. Hailstone is not new. Hailstone killing people is not new. But here's the thing. When the hailstones came, it only killed the enemies of Israel. There were two groups of people that are standing there. One of them is chasing the other. The hailstones was only killing the enemies and not the children of Israel. What am I saying? When God is in your side, when God is in my side, right? Even when the situations like the COVID come, even when the destruction comes, if God is fighting on your behalf, it is not going to affect you. It is only going to affect the enemies. We should not be fearing the hailstones, because those hailstones are not for us, right? And the thing is this, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, verses 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord goes back and forth on earth to strengthen those hearts, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. This morning, the very fact that we are meditating, we haven't even touched the main point of this message today morning yet. We just need to understand these different facets before we can get to that point. We haven't even gone to the prayer. But the fact is this, that when we are loyal to him, that's what Joshua was. He was loyal to the king. He was loyal to the king of kings. He stayed in Gilgal. And that's a place of loyalty. He never shied away from Gilgal. We should never shy away from sitting at the feet of our Savior. We should never shy away from praying. We can never shy away from remembering what God has done. When we stay in that place of loyalty, that's what God is looking for from you and me. Not only that, Joshua went to fight for Gibeon even though he was not supposed to. He went to fight for Gibeon because he gave his word to Gibeonites that he will not destroy them. He will support and help them. So he went out of that loyalty and God saw that. Even though it's going to cost Joshua something, God knows that Joshua didn't shy away from the word that he gave to this enemy. God is reminding us today morning, not out of putting any guilt upon anyone. God is saying, Is there a promise that you made it to me that you haven't actually accomplished? If Joshua was taking time to fulfill a commitment that he made with the Gibeon, how much more we should be doing to them for the king that is sitting on the throne? God is just saying, is there anything that you've actually committed that you haven't actually done? I know I have a list of things that I've committed to God and I just want God to remind me if I have forgotten or ignored any of those things. This week, I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging you to go back and pause yourself, put a pause button and ask God to just remind you of the promises and the commitments that you made for the Lord that you may have forgotten or missed out so that you can actually complete them. God wants us to be loyal to Him. To change that loyalty is going to cost us something. And God is a God of second chances, so don't even think that He's going to come with the guilt of condemnation over you. God is gently reminding you and me to bring you and me back to his grace, his mercy, and his tender heart. I want to land the plane in this place today because, you know, there is more that is going to be needed for us to take it to the next week. Bye. Here is one last thing that I just want to remind each and every one of us. Romans chapter 8, verses 28. It says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. God is bigger than your mistakes. In fact, God is bigger than the sum of our mistakes like if you put all of our mistakes together in a basket right he's just bigger than that he's not sitting in heaven with the anxiety and worrying wondering how i can rescue this person after making so many mistakes god is looking from heaven just like how he looked at joshua god saw joshua staying in Gilgal. God saw Joshua walking that 20 miles from Gilgal to Gibeon the whole night. God saw that these five kingdoms are waiting to fight on the other end, but my son is walking in faith knowing that his God is going to show up in that battlefield. And that's why God gave this promise to Joshua in verse 8 that says, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. I do not know what the enemy is doing or the enemy is reminding you. But God is saying to you today that he has won the battle. He has finished the battle and he has told the, the grave and the gates of hell, it is finished. When he was on that cross, he said, it is finished. If he has finished something, there is no chance for that person or that enemy to come back. Joshua knows that this battle is right. But Joshua also knows that this battle belongs to the Lord. And that's why when they started the journey, even though it was night, it's not a problem. Were they tired the next day morning? Of course they were tired because they walked the whole night with all the armor and everything into that battlefield. But they marched on all night because they know in the morning all they needed to do is to show up. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Ms. Katina.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cyril, for this message that comes to us via way a gentle, gentle Savior who came to give us a gentle reminder. I thank you for all of these messages because I always think about if we know better, we do better. And I thank you for allowing yourself to be placed, excuse me, in a place of obedience that you can hear from the Lord and thus bring this food to us that we're able to feast on it and mature ourselves before the Lord. I'm just going to go right on into your three points that you had this morning, but not before reminding myself and everyone else that problems will come. God never said that we wouldn't have situations or circumstances or heartache and hardship and none of these things, as long as we are residing on this earthly realm. We're going to have things that are going to come. Things are going to get out of control sometimes, but we just need to remind ourselves in the midst of those situations that God is still in control. The situation doesn't control us. God controls the situation. When God takes us on an assignment on his behalf, there is no stronghold that can't be handled by the magnificent God that we serve. And I know sometimes when these, you know, seasons come and the storms come, you know, we always feel as if we just can't. We can't. But I'm here to remind you along with Pastor Cyril today and encourage you that yes, you can. Because despite of the situation, god has still given you an assignment as you go through and he has equipped you and armored you to be able to go through because you belong to him and there is nothing that you won't be able to handle because he's already got it in the palm of his hands and why do we go through these things well the enemy knows that if he can <clears throat> that if he's going to come after, after us, he knows that he is touching the apple of God's eyes. So when he can't get to us, he wreaks havoc in things that are close to us. He used our children. He used our spouses. He used our family members. He used our neighbors. He can use whatever it is that he thinks that matters to us to try to get to us when he knows that he can't directly impact us, he can't directly, so I guess he sort of indirectly tries to get to us. And these are just attempts, right? He's not, he's not going to win because he's already defeated, but he wouldn't be the enemy if he wouldn't try. But sometimes when we are in those trials and in those storms and in those situations, we sometimes tend to want to fix the situations ourselves. Like Mother Sarah likes to say, my name is Sarah. It's not Savior. We sometimes want to be the Savior in the situations. But as we go ahead of God, when we see that the enemy is trying to get to us, we want to immediately go into action mode instead of going into prayer mode, we forget about the power of our God. But Joshua, Joshua didn't forget. Joshua in the midst of, he put his feet in the water and the water stopped. Think we can put our feet in the water today and our situations will stop our circumstances will stop the flood will stop the storm will cease the winds will subside joshua created spiritual markers when he realized that the power that was in that place the power that was in the water the power that was in his feet the power of the god that he served that stopped the water he did not want to forget about that moment So he created spiritual markers, he created these memory stones, and he placed 12 stones in the water, signifying the 12 tribes. And I remember one time, my husband actually uh, participated in a vacation Bible school, and he brought forth a word on Joshua, and he gave everyone these stones. And these stones were symbolic of the times when God brought us through certain situations the same way how he brought Joshua and the children through their situations. And we have stones in our home. I have a stone at my desk. I believe that he took his and he placed his at his desk. So every time we're faced with a situation, if we're in view of that stone, we can be reminded of how awesome and how great God is. We can be reminded that this is just a small thing because our God is much bigger than this thing. We can be reminded of the power of the Lord and that this situation is only for a season because God has brought us through before and before and before. So I challenge you and I ask you, Start creating your spiritual markers. Start creating your memory stones as a demonstration to the Lord, as a demonstration even to yourself to remind yourself of where God has brought you from, even when in the present situation it seems like you might be defeated. Write it on a piece of paper. You can get some little stones, some little pebbles from outside, from the store, whatever. Whatever you want to do, whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, create your markers, create your memories to remind yourself when trouble comes of how God has brought you through. That was one of the first points, creating the spiritual markers in our lives. Not only remind our soul of what the Savior has done for you and in front of people, But it reminds us that we're already delivered and we're already fed. We've already come past that. But sometimes we can continue to feed ourselves the same story over and over again. We get complacent in that same place over and over again. And we don't want to remember that God, if he did it before, he can do it again. I remember God gave me a vision one time of people picking up empty cans. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand exactly what that was about. Everybody was just walking around, picking up these empty aluminum cans. Nothing was in them, nothing at all. But they were picking them up like they were treasures, picking them up like they really needed them, picking them up like they were a part of them. And I went before the Lord, and I was like, Lord, what is this? What does this mean? And he said, it's symbolic of my people picking up things that no longer belong to them. They're picking up things that are empty. They're picking up things that have no power over them anymore because they don't realize that they've been set free. They don't realize that they don't need that anymore. So I ask you, are you picking up things that you have been delivered from? Has God already brought you through that situation and you just need to be reminded of that? Not only do we need to remember in the day and the time when God changed our situation, but we need to remember the day and the time when he changed our hearts. I seldom think back periodically to the day that God saved me. I was 21 years old. Never forget. It was an Easter Sunday. Sunday. How cliche. <laughs> but it is personal for me. It's, it's precious to me because in the times when I'm feeling my low, I can think back to the day that God's grace and mercy kissed me and the day that I was obedient unto him and I allowed him to save my soul. I allowed him to truly come into my life. So remember not only the situations and the things, but remember the day that He changed your heart, Saint. The day that you are strengthened that your joy was restored. These memories are like treasures. Number two, remember that God is in battle with each and every one of us, that when we cry out to him, he will strengthen our hands, our mind, our body, and our soul for the battle. We're not in this alone. The enemy would like to make us believe that we are, but if we remember our spiritual markers, remember our spiritual stones, remember memory stones, we'll know that we're going to overcome this situation. We have access to the supernatural when things start to get a little rocky for us. and. There is a God-sized situation that is waiting to happen on our behalf. God is just waiting for us to acknowledge him in that situation. He will send the hailstorms to take out the enemy on our behalf, and we'll come out unscathed. We'll come out protected. Why? Because God is on our side when we are loyal to him. Because we are, from our weeks past lessons, A people. Who are the people? We are the people, the people that are obedient, the people that are loyal to him. He will protect my people, his people. He will protect you. Have you done all that you need to do in order to keep your end of the bargain? Can he call you his people? Have you been obedient unto what he's been asking you to do? Are you loyal? To him, If you need to go back and you need to write something that he's been telling you to do, write R-I-G-H-T, write something that he's been telling you to do, I encourage you, saints, to go back. Repent for disobedience and make that thing right. Show your loyalty unto the Lord. And the third point is that for 40 years, God said the children of Israel, but when they stepped into a place of transition, they had no idea that it was actually a place of permanence for them. So sometimes we shouldn't get too wrapped up into the what things look like or what things feel like because that could just be God using that situation as a transitional spot for us, a transitional rest spot for us because he has something more permanent for us. He's elevating us. He's maturing us to a life and a place where he won't allow us to go back and pick up those empty cans, pick up those same words that we were telling ourselves, singing that same old sad song. He's delivered us. He's brought us through. And he wants to place us in a place where we don't go back. So in my closing, I just want to encourage you today that God is bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our situations. He's bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than our doubts, our fears. He's even bigger than our sins. There are times when we're just wrong. We just mess up. We fall short. But this is the time when we can go before the Lord and humble ourselves and repent and remember He can bring us through that situation. Mark your territory, saints, so that God can enlarge your territory. God is able to use our mistakes for His glory. He doesn't go back on His promises. Remind Him. I remember Pastor Cyril always saying, "We are allowed to go back and remind the Lord of His promises over our lives, even when we look." like we don't deserve anything, like we look like we don't deserve his blessings, like we don't deserve his grace, we don't deserve his mercy. No, he doesn't go back on his promises. He'll continue to fulfill his end of the bargain if we fulfill ours. It costs faith, and that costs us loyalty unto God. So this is just a gentle message for us this morning, saints. A gentle message to remind us of how awesome our God really is, how gentle He really is, how loyal He is—yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Pastor Cyril.
0: Amen. Amen. We'll come back uh, uh, as, as Mr. Tino is talking about, like uh, you know, all these different pieces. God is working in each and every one of us. We are a work in progress. We will will get to that end point when we get to eternity, but until that point, we are a work in progress. And uh, next week, you know, we'll pick up on this very same message. Um, But what we did on Friday night was actually the next week's portion. And so I'm excited to see what God is going to do to us uh, as we go through this journey. But before we wrap up today, let's go to the Lord in prayer for the Communion.